Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Dating apps. I, I Listen, um, I did a whole segment on After Midnight, my radio show about this, and I don't think that they are uh, healthy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, episode 205. Have Amber with me today. I'm glad to be back. You're with me in uh, so many other things, but not the podcast in so long you haven't been on here. No, it's been a long time. Do you remember when you were? No. Do you? No. I could look through these files, but um, has it been a year, probably? Probably. It's been about a year. It was in the, um, I think it was in the hundreds. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, um. It, our lives have been crazy, and we are doing – actually, um, I've, I'm hearing that we're going to do maybe some speaking together as we travel. Mm-hmm. That's what Tyler said. Yeah. I can't wait. I think that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now, you've been traveling different places, and I've been traveling different places. Mm-hmm. We've done a couple things together before, but now we've kind of ventured off on our own spaces, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to come back together. Yeah, travel to Dallas next week together. Um, we're going mm-hmm. to New York together the week after that. Yep. Then I go to L.A. by myself the week after that. Yep. Um, yeah, a lot of travel. It's <laughs> just as much as when we were with music touring. But I know. here on this podcast, we don't travel. We just, well, actually, may take the podcast to you one day. But right now, we answer your questions. Email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll walk through them just like we're friends. We have, Amber and I don't have any notes or we're not prepared. In fact, I don't know at all what's coming at me. So we'll just read these as we go. Once again, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. First question says, subject line, dating apps. Hey, Mr. Smith, vague question. I was just wondering, what is your opinion on dating apps? Specifically, Christian dating apps. And um, I've talked about this quite a bit. And then, I, then I've gotten pushback on it for sure. But uh, dating apps, I listen, um, I did a whole segment on After Midnight, my radio show about this, and I don't think that they are uh, healthy. Um, but I'm also not denying that a lot of people have met on traditional dating apps. And there, there will be people that would comment on this and say, I met my husband on a dating app and we've been married for 17 years. And and Hey, I get it. And that, that's amazing. Um, I think the problem is when it becomes the, the only option of choice when you do have another choice. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I, I don't have any experience with dating apps because obviously they, I guess they were around, but we just never were part of any dating app. So, um, I think it's like you said, I think when you have other options where you could go out and meet somebody with your friends or somebody could recommend somebody or meet them through your family or meet them through your church, or I think a lot of people just don't put on a true 
vision of who they are on those dating apps. Sure. You're always trying to talk yourself up. You're always trying to make yourself look better. And I think they show maybe the best version of themselves. Um, and a lot of times they lie or they, they withhold things. And I think that's where you can get into trouble too. Get catfished. Mm -hmm. Listen to this on after midnight. I told the story about, um, Tinder, the swipe right app Mm -hmm. that is now using artificial intelligence to pick your profile picture for you. You give it a bunch of pictures. It picks the profile picture, edits it, crops it, chooses it out of a bunch of them, and then writes your bio for you and everything. So when you're swiping right on somebody, you're literally looking at a computer-generated picture of what that person is represented to be. And that's what the world is coming to with all the chat GPT and all that stuff. But I think you're going to find out pretty quickly when you actually get in a room with somebody or you sit down Mm. to have a conversation that they're not who they claim to be. Yeah. And you can tell that. So um, what do you say to the critic of this podcast that there would, there would be someone that uh, actually um, there was a TikTok that went viral of me talking about this from this podcast. Mm -hmm. And then there was the the thing that went viral also was um, a couple specifically girls. I don't think it was ever a guy that did it, but specifically girls that were saying, um, because here's the deal. I said, instead of a dating app, I would prefer a recommendation of a friend or a family member or someone at work that says, Hey, there's, there's a girl or there's a guy that I know that I would like to set you up on a date. And that this person just went off on me saying, I don't have any friends. Mm. No one works with me. That's compatible. And my family doesn't know anybody or I'm estranged from my family and I don't trust my family. And so she was like doing a duet on TikTok, you know, where it's like split screen and she was watching me talk and she was like throwing up her hands saying, I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. What about church? Well, I didn't, I don't think I even mentioned that, but she probably didn't go to church, Yeah. but she was getting all angry that saying, she was saying dating apps is my only move. Like that's, that's all I have. So don't you take that away from me. Well, and there are exceptions to every rule. Sure. I mean, there are people that have probably been married or will be married 20, 30 years from a dating app, 40 years, whatever. And there are exceptions. I think I think that can happen. It's just probably not the norm. I think yeah. people use it to hook up most of the time. And they, I, I think with a dating app, you're looking basically at just what you want to see. You're, you're looking at the outward appearance. You're looking at what looks good on paper and you're not truly seeing the person that they are. And I, I would, I would, I would almost say like, it would be better to do like one of those speed dating things where you're actually in a room and you just jump from table to table because you actually have a conversation with each person and get to know them and get to see them rather than just like swiping through and going, Oh, she's cute. He's not. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's just so surface level mm-hmm. to me. But also I didn't grow up in that generation of that's kind of what it is now. That's all people do now is basically date through dating apps. So. Yeah. And, and I hear the people that say, listen, I work all day long. I get off work and I come home and I don't, I don't have a bar or a restaurant or a movie theater that I can go. I don't have any friends. Mm -hmm. So my best option at finding someone is going to a dating app. And then a lot of people say it's worked for me. Yeah, It's worked for me and we're happily married. So, um, that I totally get it. So they're speci- specifically in this question. This is Zachary saying this Christian dating apps. Does okay. that help? Or is that still open you up for catfishing? Yeah, but we're all, we're all, we're still sinners <laughs> and we're still fleshly. So not, even a Christian dating app is not going to be the perfect app. Hmm. You know, there are the, the ones that they're kind of quoted the sleazy ones like the Tinder. And then you think you're going to go to a Christian app, but it could just be a person, a guy pretending, a guy or girl pretending to be a Christian. You know, you don't, you don't truly know that they're Christian until you see the fruits of their life, until you see them actually walking with the Lord. You can't, I can write all day that I'm a Christian on a, on an app, but you're not going to know that that's true unless you hang out with me. So what are you going to say? Yes or no to dating apps to this question? What, read the question again. Hey, Mr. Smith, vague question. Just wondering what is your opinion on dating apps, specifically Christian dating apps? I think you need to be careful. I think you that's need. To, good. I good. think you need to guard your heart. I, I I wouldn't say don't do it. I would you know because there you could meet the love of your life on a dating app. I sure. would say be careful, guard your heart, um, and just go in with caution and get in person as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, try to set something up in person way quicker than you would be comfortable with because you don't want to sit there and chat too long online because you could be completely wasting your time. Yeah. 
Um, the other thing I would say too, just in general for people is, um, this is going to come as a shock probably, but you know, you might need to lower your standards a little bit on what you think you deserve mm-hmm. and work more on who you would want to be for someone that wanted, who is the person that would want to date you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I still didn't say that right. Be the person that you would want someone to be attracted to. Yeah. Right. So that you will attract that kind of person if you consistently try to become the person that you want to attract. Yeah. And and if we work on that and stop stop thinking that we have to have this the ultimate standard at day one, because the ultimate standard and someone that's that's very compatible, I've never said the word soulmate, but someone that's very compatible, you might not know that from a profile picture yeah. or from a bio or from a chat or even from one coffee. But seven, eight, nine years down the road, you might th- say, this person is so compatible. I'm so in love with this person and I would have missed it mm-hmm. at day one because I had some supermodel standard or some Harvard grad standard or somebody that has this kind of job or yeah. that maybe doesn't have a kid. And I found this guy who does have a kid and you start eliminating what could be someone very compatible to you. Yeah, that's good advice. I agree. You Take could just swipe out. right past them. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's. Move. That was a long time on that question. Let's go to next one here. Says, are there difficult things in my life that have no purpose other than bringing glory to God? That's the subject. That's the subject okay. one. Says, hey Granger, thanks for being. Thanks so much for this podcast. I love listening to you. It's continually encouraged me. Here's my question. Bible verses like Romans 11.36 and Isaiah 43.7 talk about how our purpose as humans is to bring God glory. And this is why he created us. Romans 8.28 also talks about how God works out everything for good in the lives of believers. In light of this, will everything I experience in my life, even the hard things, ultimately lead up to something I like and feel good about or just that they will lead up to something that brings God glory. In other words, do any of the difficult things that happen in my life have no other purpose than to bring God glory? Or am I guaranteed to feel happy about them all someday and feel like uh, experiencing them was worth it in the end? I don't know if any of this makes sense. By the way, it does. But that's something that I've been wondering about for a long time and, and nobody I talk to seems to have an answer. I do. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks again for all the things you do to bring us the word of God in a humble and honest way. Thanks for your amazing testimony. I praise God for all he's done in your life. Sincerely, Naomi. It's a great question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love the question, and it's a legitimate question. And so um, let me, I read it pretty roughly, so let me just kind of say what Naomi, Naomi's saying. She's saying that as she reads the Bible, she's seeing that correctly, she's seeing correctly that our purpose the reason we were created and our purpose here on earth is to bring God glory in all that we do, to glorify him. And so she's saying, cool, good. Thank you, God. Thanks for that. Um, where do I fit in this picture? Like, I, I'm happy that I'm created for a purpose, and that purpose is to give you glory, Mr. Narcissist, right? But... Do I get anything out of this? I get it, okay? First of all, God is not a narcissist. That's not what you said, but um, this is is what we start to figure out as we continue to read through the entire whole canon of the Scripture. And that's why, um, and I'm by no means accusing you of this at all, but as we read cover to cover of our Bibles, Genesis all the way to Revelation, and continue to read through it year by year. And the purpose of that, and I've said on this podcast before, is to learn who God is. That's, that's first and foremost. Who is God? And we find him as revealed in the scriptures. When we begin to find him, we begin to know him. When we begin to know him, we can anticipate what he likes and dislikes, hates and loves, throughout the course of our own lives as we apply it to ourselves. What am I talking about? I'm talking about in the, in the case of my dad, who's been passed away since uh, 2014. Still, I knew my dad so well from living with him and listening to him and 
watching him and and observing him that I know to this day, if I go to a restaurant, when I open up a menu, I know what dad would like. And then I know what dad would not like. When I'm talking to someone and, and I they have an opinion about something, I know if dad would agree with that opinion or disagree with that opinion. And that goes on and on and on. In the same way, that's really what our purpose is in reading the Bible, is to learn our Heavenly Father in the same way, so that we don't need specific answers to specific things in life. Instead, just like I don't need a specific answer to what Dad would say about a certain person in a certain situation in their life. I go, I know, in a general sense, in a broad sense, exactly how Dad would feel like feel about with anything in this this region. And that's how we learn God. And we could walk through life with confidence the more we read the Bible of knowing what God would be pleased about or displeased about or need or want from us. Okay. So to your question about bringing God glory, what we do know as we begin to know him and as we begin to read the Bible is that bringing God glory, which is our purpose, is not at odds with our happiness or our joy. In fact, I said this in the sermon Mm -hmm. recently, in fact, it is the source of it. When we bring God glory, which is why we're created, when we do that, we find that the source of that glory that we bring him, whether it's the way we act or walk or say or worship or enjoy uh, sunrise and sunset and the beautiful stars and the moon and the trees and the rain. And this. and when we see this and little babies and little puppies and, and uh, the Grand Canyon, when, when we bring him glory and see his glory and absorb his glory and feel his glory, that becomes the source of our joy and our happiness. And the more we do it, the more we worship and the, the closer we get to that purpose of glorifying him, the more we feel it. Mm-hmm. And the more we need less of this earth and the less of all the things that, that are false joys, fake joys, counterfeit joys. Mm-hmm. You know, you get so many things in this life are a counterfeit joy. It's a counterfeit happiness. It fades. It's gone. Yeah. Texas Aggies. You know, I'm excited about watching them play this weekend. And if they win, I'll be happy. But it's a, it's a counterfeit joy. Mm-hmm. Because it goes away in an instant when they lose the next week, yeah. right? Yeah. And they could win the national championship. It's gone the next year. It was, it's counterfeit. But when we glorify God, when we worship him like we would worship Aggie football, we worship God in that way, he never lets us down in that way. Yeah. It never comes back as counterfeit. It just grows and stacks joy upon joy upon joy. I've been using this parable so much lately, the Matthew 1344 parable of the hidden treasure when it says the kingdom of heaven, Jesus talking, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he owns to buy that field. There is the key word right there, joy. He finds this treasure and in his joy, he gives up the pleasures, the counterfeit pleasures, the counterfeit joys. And, and goes all in on God. That is what we get when we glorify him. Your glorifying God is not at odds with your joy. Yeah. She asked, uh, she asked in there, is all of this going to ultimately lead to my happiness? She said something along mm-hmm. those lines. And no, n- not necessarily here on this earth. It's not. Your suffering might not lead to happiness here on earth. You might not see a certain situation or a certain thing redeemed this side of heaven, but I can promise you it will be worth it on the other side and, when we see Christ face to face. But you will have peace here through it. You can have peace through, yeah, with, with That's Jesus. That's promise. Yes, that is promise. You can, you can have peace and joy in the midst of your deepest pain. Now, could something necessarily be redeemed this side of heaven? Many times, yes. The Lord, the Lord will do it. It says in in First Peter five ten. After you have suffered a little a little while, I myself will will strengthen, redeem, reestablish, um, and I think and strengthen you is the verse. Um, but a lot of times, people are still will still suffer until they go home. But on the other side, 
Yes, it will be worth it. Everything that you faced, every horrible, every horrible thing that you went through, every trauma, every little amount of suffering is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Yeah. And it will, it will so be worth it. And this life is a vapor. And I can't promise you happiness, like Granger said, this side of heaven. You can have joy, but joy is a person and it's Jesus. But you might not be eternally happy and joyful until we get to the other side, until we get home to heaven. Read, read the book of John. There is so much gold in there with Jesus talking, especially in, in chapter 16, when he ends up saying, ends the chapter by saying, I tell you these things mm-hmm. so that you will have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, tribulation, persecution, suffering. You'll have it, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. That's where the peace comes from. So you go, yeah, I'm having suffering. I'm having problems. I'm, but, oh man, but he's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah. So through that, there's the rest. There's the peace. There's the joy. There's the hope. And with those things equipped in you, peace, hope, rest, love, joy, when you have those you have the strength to overcome through the suffering because you're going to suffer whether or not you have those things or not <laughs> as a human. Whether or not you have Jesus or not, you're going to suffer. That's just part of being a human. But you could be equipped with those those powerful things, those, those fruits of the Spirit uh, with your faith in Jesus. Let's hit one more. And let's take a break. Oh, man, these questions. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if someone tuned in to figure out how to get a girlfriend or not. <laughs> We've Here, done a lot of those. Here's another subject. It says, is there a right religion? Hey, Granger, I've been raised Catholic, but now that I'm in my 30s and I have a family of my own, uh, I have seemed to stray away from the Catholic faith. I have not lost my faith in God, but just how I practice my religion. I feel that I'm drawn closer to God and feel better as a human being listening to sermons from either non-denominational pastors, Baptist pastors, and even your sermons that you have been doing, which, by the way, are Baptist. My question is, is there a right religion? Am I turning my back on God if I think about converting to another religion? Thank you for your music over the years, my family, and I enjoy your concerts, and i absolutely looking forward to what the future holds for you. Mark. All right, so Mark, this is this is one of the problems with um, just reading an email and that being enough on a podcast mm-hmm. because we would want to dig in a little bit and say, well, what are you defining as religion? Because yeah. um, so far, everything that you've listed here is uh, denomination. denomination based on trusting Christ, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you're talking about religion as far as Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam, um, we're talking about fundamentally different kinds of religion. If you're just talking about denominations, um, man, I, I've been doing this deep, deep dive on C.S. Lewis, as you know. I've got like a, I've got like literally twenty books yeah. right now that I'm having to go through with C.S. Lewis, um, based on I'm writing a research paper on. C.S. Lewis and his apologetic method in, in one of his books called Mere Christianity. Anyway, in the book Mere Christianity, he's, he, it was originally a radio broadcast for World War II in Great Britain, and he was making a case for Christianity without even really talking about Christianity in, in that term. He was talking about it um, in a broad sense to anyone that was searching for who is God. And has God revealed himself to us? And when it comes to um, certain third, second, third, fourth tier doctrines and denominations, he said it this way. Look, my book, Mere Christianity, is trying to get you into the hallway. I want to get you into the hallway. And once you're in there, there are doors all down the hallway. And within those doors are rooms with food and fireplaces. That's what he said, something like that with nice fireplaces and tables set and food. And you can go according to what food you like, right? So you can go and sit down. At, like, I like this room. I like the way the chairs are. I like the way the, the placemats are and the tablecloth. And I really like eating roast beef. And then a vegetarian gets in there and goes, you know, I'm not really into eating beef, but I love a good, what does a vegetarian eat? A salad. <laughs> like a salad. And I, and I like uh, I like this room a little bit better. It's more vibey for me. And so basically, C.S. Lewis is saying, 
um, these denominations really they they're not disagreeing on a major doctrine, which is who is God as revealed in Jesus Christ. Um, how are we redeemed, restored, forgiven, renewed, reborn through the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, which is called penal substitution, which is Christ took on the wrath of God himself and bore our sins on the cross so that we could be set free if we believe in him. So that's a first-tier doctrine. You cannot disagree on that or you are not a Christian. Everything else after that is just a placemat and a nice fire and a meal. And, and so, I, I, and I think it's really neat um, C.S. Lewis, no, we could, I have strong opinions about second, third tier, fourth tier doctrines. Mm-hmm. I have those opinions, and I'd be willing to talk about it. But that's, they're not salvific. They don't save you or not. Um, f- only faith in Jesus does that. And realizing the, um, the power of the cross and what it means for humanity, who God is as revealed in his son. Okay, so everything else um, that you're asking really is, hallway questions. And so I, I think that's what you mean about religion. Yeah. I don't think you mean, Converting. Is, is there a right religion when it comes to Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism? Is it all the same? That's not what you're asking. No. Well, if you are, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you are, um, if you are asking that question, just briefly, none of those other religions would agree either. Yeah. That, that every religion no religion, let me say it this way, um, n- none of the major religions will will agree that all paths lead to God. Mm-hmm. They're all going to say, this is the path. That's a different question on the podcast. Happy to answer that at another time. Um, but I don't think that's what you're no, asking I think at you, all. I think it was more denominational. Yeah. Um, Which is like you said, you need to agree on salvific, on things that are that are important and needed for salvation yeah. on after that it's like you said people sometimes disagree on baptism or, or alcohol or, or things like that those are different things that granger said are like the different doors that you can go in to get into deeper theologically yeah. but you need to know that you're saved by grace through faith in jesus christ alone and don't don't use that word convert like that's the wrong word to use that's what you said um am i turning my back on god if i think about converting to another religion don't that's a wrong word if you're talking about going from Presbyterian to Baptist or whatever, Baptist to non-denominational. If that's, if that's, that's a different discussion, and we could have deeper discussions on that, but that has nothing to do with conversion. Conversion happens when you're dead in your trespasses and you're reborn, your eyes are now opened, and you are a Christian. That is conversion. You can't do that. You can't decide to do that. Uh, God does that. And uh, Jesus said in John 3, no one enters the kingdom of heaven without being reborn. You must be born again, is what Mm -hmm. Jesus said. Uh, A baby can't be born. He can't make himself be born, right? You you just are. (laughs) It happens outside of yourself. Uh, Nothing bores itself. What was the word? Nothing (laughs) births itself. You know, something cannot birth itself. So um, I don't think that's what you mean. And I hope this clears it up. Let's take a break and be oh, right back. Okay. Or do, go ahead. Go I just ahead. want to say quickly, if you're struggling with that, just pray. The Bible says, the Bible says anyone who is seeking wisdom to ask, ask for it. Get on your knees and ask the Lord to reveal things to you. Open up your Bible and begin to read. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we could go. We can go talk about Episcopals and we could yeah. talk. You could, we could, but um, that would take a long time. it's merely a preference of food. We'll be right back. Hey guys, if y'all haven't gotten a copy yet of my book, Like a River, I would encourage you to check this book out. If, if you're not much of a book person, well, the audiobook is something that I read, and it has some bonus features in it, some added commentary. Plus, uh, Amber and I do a about an hour-long interview with each other, just us two, at the end of the audiobook. And so it's got a bunch of extras, and maybe even if you have read the book and you have the hard copy, maybe you could check out the audiobook as well. It's something um, I was really excited to record it and to bring it to life, really, with my words as I've read it. 
If you've never had an audiobook before, you could use Audible or the Books app. Uh, Android users, I'm sorry, I've never known your language, but there's a way to do it for sure. Also, if you want to get a hold of me, if you want me to send you a message for any reason or to anyone, check me out on cameo.com slash Granger Smith. You could also download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. This is a great way for a last minute gift or a gift for someone who has everything or some special pick me up for someone, a happy birthday, happy anniversary, um, congratulations. It could be just a word of encouragement. It's super easy. You go to cameo.com slash Granger Smith, and then you tell me what you want me to say. That message comes to me. I pull up my phone and I read or ad lib whatever general message you want me to say here on my phone, on my video, and then I send it to you. Super easy. And then lastly, the Yee Yee Apparel Fall launch is this Friday, September the 15th. All kinds of new items. Very excited about this fall launch. Go to yeeyee.com, and that launch will go live at 10 a.m. Central Friday, September 15th. So you're going to want to show up a little bit early to yeeyee.com to make sure that you get your favorite sizes before they sell out. Back to the podcast. All right, guys, back here on the podcast. Got my wife, Amber, joining. It's been a long time. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) I (laughs) I love sitting here with you. That makes it so much better to have you. We actually get to have a conversation without the kids pulling on us. So sometimes this is kind of like a little date for us. It is. Um, I found out this week, and maybe some of y'all listening already know this, but um, found out that Like a River is a New York Times bestseller. It is. That's so incredible. Crazy. I was telling you today, there that's a very um, small portion of books that get to put that on the cover. So it's awesome. And it's like you said, we don't do it for, you didn't write that book for, to get that title, but, yeah. but that title will hopefully get the book into more people's hands. And that's what we want is just to share the message. Yeah. We answer your questions here. Granger Smith Podcast at gmail.com is the email. This is episode 205. Continuing here with the next question. Subject line says, The Book of Enoch. Howdy, Granger. My name is Joshua. This is my second time asking you a question. The first response was so amazing. I figured I'd ask you another one because of all your knowledge. The Book of Enoch was once in the Bible. However, it was removed. I just wanted to ask you what you think about this book and if or not it is scripture. P.S. Your book is amazing. It brought a tear to my eye. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Your words mean a lot, Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. Appreciate you, man. Um, thanks for also thanks for reading like a river. And um, yeah, so let's talk about the the book of Enoch. But maybe not just that book. There's a lot of books um, that were that were um, in dispute and still are maybe to this day. The book of Enoch is one of the newer ones that has been. Uh, in dispute because uh, I believe it was discovered um, more recent than than most. And so then it's been in like scholar debates um, as of lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it came up recently, like within the last 50 years, uh, there was a there was a lot of books written about the discovery of the Book of Enoch and why it was purposely left out of the canon. Um, so yeah, happy to discuss and I love, I love this stuff. I love history of the Bible. I love, yeah. uh, um, the can, the formation of the canon. I love, um, the formation of the four gospels. It's really fascinating to think about, um, the four gospels themselves, like let, an, let alone the old Testament and the book of Enoch and stuff like that. But why are there four Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Man, that is such a such a crazy deep deep well. I was just about to say that you are a deep well oh. about this. And yeah, I, and I've read a lot of books about um, apologetic types of books about uh, the the canon itself and the sixty six books. And even saying sixty six, there's some people that are like, oh, that's not six. There's, mm-hmm. there's more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, there's more in the Catholic. Yeah, Bible, yeah, right. Yeah, and so we, you know, happy to have that discussion at another time as well. Um, but what we find. As we, in 2023 is a great time to talk about um, what books belong in the canon or not, because we have 
now compiled a lot more evidence, over 25,000 archaeological digs. We have more um, ancient manuscript fragments of the Bible and complete pieces of different books or different scripture than any other ancient document combined yeah. times a lot. Yeah. And I'm talking about if you know ancient documents like Homer or Aristotle yeah, or Plato yeah. or those those kind of um, ancient documents that we'll read in school and you look at it like this is a fact, like Homer wrote this. Wow. The, the odds that Homer wrote what we think he wrote are so, so much more obscure than if Moses wrote Deuteronomy mm -hmm. or if the Apostle John wrote Revelation or if... Um, if if Isaiah wrote the great Isaiah scroll, um, I'd try to do a, the biggest sweep of 1500 years I could right there. Um, but, and what I mean is we don't even have that much evidence that Homer actually wrote that. But people believe it. But people believe it. But then you, no, you, he, you give he, it Maybe he did. He probably did. Yeah. But, but the fact is that the, I don't know much about Homer, but the, I do know that the, the evidence, the fragments of the ancient documents are so few and so far and few in, in between or whatever the phrase is. And the time frame of when we have found fragments of Homer is so long after it was supposedly originally written that you could easily say, well, I don't think he actually wrote that. But when it comes to the Bible, we have so much more mounting evidence and um it's pretty incredible, and it's it's the most researched book in, in the planet, and we have the most evidence, mm -hmm. uh, that more than any other ancient document. I read that it would be, if you stacked all of our fragments up, it would be miles high, as much as we found. Yeah. Um, so, so how do you know what, what is included and what's not? And was there some one council or maybe some Constantine or one emperor that decided... I'm going to decide this is what goes in here and I'm going to do it because I want to get, I want to gain power or I want to gain control over people. So I'm going to make sure that these books aren't included and these are because these make me look better in my kingdom. Is that what happened? Or was it a council of people that came together in Nicaea in the fourth century that said, okay, let's, let's randomly look at Israel and look at all the pieces of literature and let's pull together the ones that we want and we'll call it the B-I-B-L-E and we'll make it, you know, it's like, no, no, none of that is true. That's what people want That's to what think people is think, true. Yeah. But we have writings that go way before the fourth century of people reading scripture and, and starting with uh, the gospels, you have them as Jesus is quoting Psalms, He's accrediting Psalms to David. Mm -hmm. He is crediting Isaiah to his writings and Jeremiah and Moses writing Genesis. And, and so we have connections. The Bible is self-testifying. It, it testifies to itself through its own, its own authors. And then we see that play out as apologists and early church fathers were writing in the same, um, the same lifetime as others. So we have the Apostle John was the last writer of the Bible. We have a lot of evidence to believe that one of John's students was Polycarp, mm -hmm. and one of Polycarp's students was Irenaeus. And these guys are writing in the same lifetime of other eyewitnesses that were there with Jesus. And that goes back and back and back and back and back to David writing the Psalms and, and, and the minor prophets and the major prophets. So we have so much testifying evidence to, um, to why auth we have authorship for certain books. And then we come to certain things like the Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Thomas, the Book of Enoch, where we go, oh, hang on, there's a major gap here. The Gospel of Thomas, we don't have any ancient fragments of that. We don't have anybody talking, Irenaeus, Polycarp, Apostle John, no one is talking about the Gospel of Thomas like they did everything else. Mm -hmm. No one is talking about um, the things that Thomas talks about, or the apparent Thomas talks about in the Gospel of Thomas. So we go, hang on a second, this is introducing new ideas. 
the Greek literary style is different than the other four Gospels. That wasn't the style of conversation that the, the disciples had. Um, we don't find as many um, of the um, fragments. And we have some people actually speaking out, like Irenaeus, speaking out against the Gospel of Thomas, saying, this is heresy. Mm -hmm. This is a fake. Mm -hmm. So then what happens is a couple hundred years go by. There's people going, hey, this is a fake. Of course, why, there, we're humans. Why wouldn't there be fakes? You would, you would imagine there would be fake books that people write and credit it to an author yeah. that's not themselves, right? And so, of course, that you would imagine in humanity that there would be um, books that are coming out that are um, plagiarizing somebody else for something. So we go back and we read these historians. Uh, Josephus is another one. And we can go, oh, we have a lot of evidence to say that Thomas did not write this book. So does everybody vote this, this Thomas book is fake? And everyone's like, yeah, I did my research here. This guy's like, yeah, I did my research here. I talked to so-and-so. He said Thomas didn't even write it. He talked to Thomas, whatever. And so they go, book of Thomas is out. The gospel of Thomas is out. Mary, same thing. Peter, same thing. Book of Enoch, same thing. Mm -hmm. there, these, these books are not in the Bible today in 2023, not because of some conspiracy, not because of some old king or some emperor or some secret council. It's literally because historians have come together and go, that's, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a false book. We can, we can verify through multiple sources that that's not the right person that wrote that. And so... We have to trust that the spirit, the, the, these books are in, um, spirit motivated and we can go, yeah, the spirit is also motivating uh, these wise men saying, and women saying, no, we, we're not going to trust that these books are supposed to be here. And that was a long answer. <laughs> Goodness, Granger, shut up. Move on. You're like a deep well of history and I love it. The, the, next, uh, <laughs> the next subject says how to move on. That's a good piece of advice for me. Move on, man. <laughs> Shut up. <sighs> hey, Granger. My name is Jose. I'm 23 years old. I still can't get over my ex. There we go. There's a good one. Now we're back to the good stuff. Still can't go over, get over my ex. It's been two years since the breakup and I can't move on. I have her on social media and she's the first one I see on everything that I post. She's the first one to see everything I post. I've been on dates, but it just doesn't feel the same. Can you give me any advice? I have read your, and it has helped me. I think he meant I've read your book. Um, sorry, there wasn't a lot of punctuation in that. That So I ha let me say it again. This guy's Jose, and he's 23. He can't get over ex. his ex. It's been two years since the breakup. Can't move on. He has her on social media, and she's the first one to see everything that he posts. I'm, I'm assuming because she likes it or views it or something. He's been on dates. Doesn't feel the same. Bro, Jose, block her. Block her. Block her. You you're causing <clears throat> yourself more damage, and especially after if it's been two years. That's yeah. that's a long time to stay stuck. And you're, you're just hurting yourself by still continuing to, to follow her or look at her or let her look at you or post things because you want her to get jealous or all, whatever the things and the games that people play, mm. you've got to just delete. Yeah. It, will, it, will, it will help you keep your sanity. Yeah, and you're going on these dates and it doesn't feel the same because you literally just looked at her Instagram yeah. right before you walked into the new date. So you're not going to heal until you stop seeing her every day and you stop worrying about what she's doing. This was not a problem they had in the nineties or eighties or seventies or any year before that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Sam has a song about that. Something about breaking up Break in the nineties. Breaking up was easy, was easy in, in the nineties. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. There's, there's a, there's so many country songs that I love that I, that I hear sometimes from the 90s or 80s and I, I just think wow that's not possible anymore um there's this old song no one knows it but it's from the 90s by the, this band called Blackhawk and it's called Postmark Birmingham yeah and it's about he got this letter from her she left yeah and he got a letter and she says um I'm sorry I'm moving on it's basically saying it's it's not you it's me and the only evidence he has is it's postmarked Birmingham. Yeah, it's such a good song. It's the only thing he knows th about where she is. And he can't understand because she doesn't have any family there, no relatives there. She's never even been there. She's never even been to Alabama, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then Garth Brooks, uh, um, what she's doing now. Mm-hmm. What she's doing now is tearing me apart, filling up my mind. And he has no idea what she's doing. Um, and now we know everything everybody's doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of those, those songs, and I hear them, and I just think it's impossible because now if you date today in 2023 – if you date somebody, you're probably always going to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you got to block her. Yeah, you got to block it. You got to try to find a hobby. Yeah. Try to find something else to pour yourself into. Every now and then, Garth Brooks. Every now yeah. and then. Oh, man, I miss that's the a 90s. good song. I miss the 90s country. <laughs> <laughs> next, next one says... Subject line, trying to meet people. Hey, Granger, my name is Blake. I'm 18 from Minnesota. Just wanted to say thank you for being an inspiration in my life as well as my buddies. I've been listening to you since I was nine. Just wanted to ask you how I should go about interacting with new girls since most of them, since most of what I do is hang out with my buddies on the farm and work. And I know I'm still somewhat young, but I feel like I should start being around more people and open myself up to a future slash girlfriend slash wife. Thanks for what you do. Also, I saw you perform in Good Hue. It was great. Lincoln was with me in Good Hue, and he did the, the gritty on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he does the gritty, and other times he's so scared to go on stage. Yeah. Stage fright. Blake, 18 years old. Um, man, dude, first react. I'm going to give you my first reaction. This podcast really is like driving down in the truck and down a country road, and you're riding shotgun, and we got the windows down and you say, man, could I ask you a question? And you say, how do I go about interacting with new girls? Since most of what I do is just hang out with my buddies on the farm and work. My first reaction, like knee jerk reaction is bro, you're 18. Just keep doing that. Keep doing that for a while. Yeah. Don't worry about how to interact with new girls. That might be hard to do because your brain is there's, there's like things firing in your brain that's going, you need to look at a girl. You need to talk to a girl. You need, that's natural. That's your biology. It's coming out saying, Hey, it's time to, it's time to get going on this girl thing. You don't necessarily have to listen to that at 18 though. I would much rather this email than an email of someone 18 going, I've this, I've been with this girl for six years. Uh, She's going off to college. I don't know what to do. I love her. She's loving my life. She's pregnant. Whatever. Like the list goes on and on of emails I wouldn't want to see. But the one I do like is the one that says, I'm 18. I work on the farm. I hang out with my buddies. Should I start thinking about girls right now? Mm-hmm. Dude, I love that email. And there's, there's, we don't know too much. We don't know what school he goes to or if he's in school right now or if his, or if his buddies have girlfriends or yeah, it's, it's kind of hard without getting some more information. My dad used to always take my, my dad raised three boys and he used to always tell us guys don't have a girlfriend, just be friends with girls and be friends with a lot of them, but don't go steady with any of them. And I, I know exactly what he meant. And I would encourage the same thing uh, with with my kids, uh, because you only get Blake, you only get this chance one time to be eighteen, mm-hmm. and it's going to fly by. And Lord willing, most of your life, most of it, you'll be with a girl. You'll be with your wife, and you'll be raising babies and grandbabies. Lord willing, you you will spend the rest of your life, and your roommate will be a girl. Right. But the only time in your life when you're not going to have a girl and you're just going to be with your buddies hanging out and working on the farm is right now. And you're asking me how to throw all that away and go find a girl to worry about. You could invite some of your girl, quote, your girlfriends over to do some farm work and see if they can handle whatever kind of farm work you're doing. It's the same thing my dad said. Be friends with them yeah. and be friends, be friends with a lot of them. And Blake, you're at, here's your, your main question is, how do I go about interacting with new girls? Since most of what I do is hang out with my buddies on our farm and work. That's your main question. And my main answer to that, besides the fact is, please just enjoy being 18. My main answer to you is, 
like Amber said, invite a group of them together with your group of boys. So you got a group of girls with a group of boys. Nobody's singled out. And you guys make a bonfire. You somebody's got to get picks up a guitar. You play some guitar. You pass a guitar around. You sing along. You then get a, a really unique chance to watch the girls, how they interact, and they watch you and how you interact. But you don't get stuck um, needing to know how to what to say or do in the moment. Or like you, on a one-on-one date or something. Yeah, you yeah. learn from the outside. Yeah. And you'll quickly learn things like, man, I, maybe next time I'll wash my shirt. <laughs> like maybe next time I'll comb my hair or something. <laughs> but those are really cool things that, that happen uh, as these two opposite creatures get together and start socializing. You don't have to do that one-on-one. You could do it in groups. Yeah, I agree. And 18 is kind of tricky because that's about the time when, when girls and guys start going off to college. So even if you did kind of strike something up, you don't know if you, I don't know if you're going to, if you're just going to work on the farm, which is awesome, but a girl that you might be talking to might be getting ready to go away. So you might not want to start something up if she's about to leave. Yeah. So I agree with the, the group thing. You can always have fun in groups. Yeah. I think that's all we got. We're out of time. It's been We're awesome. Done? Comment below if this is if you're watching or listening on a platform that has comments. Let let us know if you want to have Amber again, or go to Amber's Instagram, which is at Amber Emily Smith, and yes. comment on her latest post and say we want you back on the Granger podcast. Then go to my Instagram at Granger Smith and say bring back Amber on my latest post. Comment that, and um, we'll have to. I, I want to come back. Yeah, I know where you live, and I know your schedule. Come find me. Yeah. So, love you guys. See you next Monday. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.